Hey, it's V, back from square one. Regulated, life is still upside down. And as I've been experimenting through conventional and unconventional mental health, I'm reporting back. This time, with good news. Ready to rock, drop, and roll, <laughs> so don't get burnt. The divorce, the jail, the affairs, and my attempt to swing, I mean sing. Our lives will always be on fire, so why not raise the real rays and break the matrix? Maybe this is how it starts, as we unfuck ourselves. Let's find a way out. They don't care about you, so stop giving a fuck about them. The content of this podcast is for general purposes only, and it's not intended to diagnose, treat, prevent, or cure any condition or disease, or substitute for medical advice. Always seek the advice of your physician, mental health professional, or any other qualified medical health provider with any questions you may have regarding your medical condition or treatment before starting or discontinuing treatment. If you or someone you know is experiencing suicidal thoughts or a crisis, please reach out immediately to the Suicide Prevention Line at 800-273-8255. Well, my name is Melanie, Melanie Mantoniks, and I am a trauma relief trainer uh, certified for Ukrainians, and I also do uh, tutoring for Ukrainian kids who have fled war and are staying in uh, different countries in Europe. Great. Thank you so much. And so what is that part of your personal story that connects to the work that you're currently leading? Sure. Yeah, I am the daughter and granddaughter of Latvian World War II survivors. So I grew up hearing the stories of how my dad and my uncle and aunts were children uh, when the war hit um, their home and how they had to flee and leave their country abruptly and then stay in refugee camps for about six years, and then finally were able to come to the United States. So I grew up on that. I grew up hearing stories of not just my family, but so many other families. And also, um, we didn't, they, they had a house. My grandparents had a house there. And that was taken over for 50 years by the Soviets. And we didn't receive our house back until 1991. So it was uh, not only did I grow up hearing the stories of war refugees and war survivors, but also um, fighting for a country's democracy and independence is also kind of in my blood uh, because my dad was very active in um, pushing for Baltic independence. And just for uh, listeners that aren't familiar with the geographical area, Latvia and Lithuania and Estonia are part of the Baltic states and they're near, um, they're near Sweden and Poland. So I'm uh, where we're from is right in the middle in Latvia. So were your parents and grandparents alive when that happened? Yeah, I was very thankful. Um, you know, it, it, the situation looked bleak for so long, um, but they, my grandmother was able to see Latvia regain its freedom. My dad was able to go to and um, back to Latvia and see the house where he was growing up. He had, they had to flee when he was six. So, you know, he only knew it for a short period of time. Um, but, yeah, it was pretty amazing. And now it's a music school. So kind of acquired this soft spot for people who have survived war, and especially children. I just have a very special place in my heart for kids, and I just don't think it's fair for any child to have to go through war. Um, so I've had experiences um, volunteering in an early education program with little little mini Syrians and Afghan um, Afghanistan kids and Ethiopians, Kosovans, um, Central African Republic, little ones from all over the world. And I was able to see how the stress of war affected the, the really the smallest of the small. Um, Two-year-olds with an intense separation anxiety, 
Um, but I was also able to see, hey, they're just kids. You know, when they're playing and when they want hugs and they want love, they're just kids. Every child around the world is just a really sweet kid in need of love. And so that left an impression on me. And then I did um, some work with a, a Syrian teenager, um, helped him with his reading and his story um, of how he survived was absolutely atrocious and what he had to go through and his family. And then to my surprise, um, our friends, the Ukrainians, um, not only have they been going through a lot since, you know, before two, 2014 and well before that, um, you know, we all know what happened with the invasion. And so um, our, our families go way back with, with the Ukrainian community. And so, of course, I had to, to do something. And so I became certified in trauma relief um, and a program through the Center for Mind-Body Medicine specifically for Ukrainians. And also, um, I'm now a tutor, and I've been tutoring um, little Ukrainians. Uh, right now, I have um, weekly two little girls, one in Germany and one in Wales, that I tutor weekly. And so um, just doing the most I can. And you know, we attend Ukrainian fundraisers, Ukrainian events, and anything I can do. But what I would like to do, my ultimate goal, is because I'm very familiar with generational trauma. Yes. Um, not something my family talked much about, but I'm well aware of it now and I'm learning more about it and how it's affected me. And, you know, some of the other family members might not be so introspective or interested, but I'm very well aware. And I would like to do what I can to prevent that generational trauma from continuing with, with Ukrainians. And the, the leader of, or the, the founder of the Center for Mind-Body Medicine, Dr. James Gordon, he was the one who um, led the classes that we took when we were certified. It was a three-day, very intense, very um, fast program so we could get, you know, right off the bat training um, other Ukrainians. Uh, so it was like the train-the-trainer program. So once I train you, then you can train somebody else, you know, so, so as many people as possible get these healing tools as fast as possible, and then they would go into the you know the more um, extensive classes. Like Dr. Gordon and his colleagues go to Ukraine directly, and they have eight to twelve week like uh, real like weekly or daily uh, classes for people who are really traumatized. Um, so my goal is to you know hopefully you know get involved in cultural diplomacy and diplomacy so we can have more peace but also to help prevent some of that generational trauma because um, like, like Dr. Gordon was teaching and he has a great book called Transfer, um, Transforming Trauma that describes what happens to your digestive system, what happens to your small intestine, what happens to your brain, your heart rate, everything, not just your, you know, and then all that, you know, your gut health affects your mental health, the stress affects your mental health. So he, he always says um, the time to deal with trauma is now not after the fact, but, but right now. And so that's my goal um, to, you know, bring some relief to Ukrainians now, but also help them so it doesn't continue to the next generations because it, it gets in your DNA, it gets in your very being. And uh, I want to help them as much as possible. Absolutely. And it's just amazing. I think it's such, it makes you much more powerful and much more relevant to the people that you serve by having experienced uh, trauma on a generational point. You know, this is, and I'm not sure, but this is perhaps not something that you lived directly. This is through your parents and your grandparents. And so 
being the child of a war survivor, of a veteran, um, what was that growing up for you every day? You know, what did you see growing up? What do you think the war uh, brings to the family? What are some of the down effects, obviously, because war is not great, but what are some of those generational items that perhaps you inherited that now make you more relevant to these children? Because I assume that you see yourself in these children, or perhaps you see your father in these children, you know? Yeah, yeah, I, I do definitely, my, my dad and, and others, and also, you know, just, just growing up hearing the stories, but you also saw a lot of the pictures, and you saw, you know, documentaries about all the kids, and, you know, um, it's just there's just no reason for children the children should be protected that's you know I don't feel any child should have to face war but as far as my family anxiety absolutely when I was born my dad was having giant panic attacks not because I was not because yeah. I was coming into the world but <laughs> back then uh, he'd only been in the states for I think about a little bit less than 20 years and he was suffering a lot from anxiety. Um, it was something back then that I don't think it was, you know, men could talk about out in the open. Um, and he was anxious all the time. And so I, I was born into anxiety. And he, you know, he was very loving dad, overprotective, which I think had something to do with the war. Um, but also we would be out somewhere. I, I still remember we were at the art museum when I was a young girl and he had such a big panic attack. I thought he was going to die. I was standing there and he was laying down in the art museum and I was, you know, panicked and same thing for Disney world. I remember he had a huge panic attack there. Um, so that, you know, for a six, seven, eight year old girl is terrifying. And, you know, years later, for some reason, my parents didn't connect the dots, but I started getting panic attacks and had anxiety and have had it throughout my life. My grandmother, her, you know, my my father's mom also had anxiety. Um, but back then, uh, when you survived war, you were supposed to stoically move on. Mm -hmm. There was no mental health support. There was no talking about it. And even the way my family still to this day discusses the war is kind of that's what happened over there. And it, it, it they would talk about it as in it was very challenging and very traumatic. But there's no feeling when they're expressing it. It's very matter of fact, because I think it's just so deep in there. Um, and for for many years, you know, um, some of them didn't want to talk about it at all, understandably. Um, but I think you know it can manifest in a whole bunch of different ways. And you know, during war, we you know we know things happen within families that can be very intense. After war, um, you know, anything from anxiety, depression, alcoholism, narcissism, you know, like a whole bunch of things can manifest that wouldn't have manifested had there not been such a traumatic experience. Um, but I think what I'm the, the cycle breaker in a sense as I am trying to express and discuss how maybe the war has impacted the family and uh, that's not always well received Absolutely. with my own family. Um, and I, I think even with the Ukrainians, I find that initially that they were very stoic because they're, they're very strong. They're incredibly smart. I mean, everyone I've, I've talked with and interacted with, innovative, smart. A lot of them are extremely well-educated. And it's like, no, we're strong. We've got this. We're fine. And, you know, and then things happen to them over and over and over. Just, you know, disastrous, inhumane stuff happening 
and now I'm seeing more and more, they're like, okay, we need, we need some, you know, mental health support. And the first lady, uh, um, first lady Zelenska has programs for mental health across Ukraine. Dr. Gordon and his colleagues, um, they're trying to train as many people through these techniques as possible. Um, I trained my little Ukrainians this morning. Um, it's kind of funny. I made a video for them because uh, the one little one, they, she, her and her mom and her sister had to flee right away. Um, the Russians have bombed their home city several times um, and killed some people in apartment buildings and things like that. Um, so, you know, so they fled and they had to go to one European country and it wasn't right, quite right for them. And they were sharing a very small room with four people. So they went to another country. So at nine years old, she's fled one country due to war. She had to go to a completely new country and start new school in one language and then go to a different country and start another school in another language. And granted, children are sponges and they, you know, they can learn languages a lot, but that is a lot of moving and shaking and being away from dad because my, my little Ukrainians that I tutor haven't seen their dads for a year plus. Um, so it's a lot of, lot of stuff going on at once. And so her mom had messaged me this week. She's like, she's, you know, her daughter's really upset about going to school. She's very, you know, stressed out. And so I just put together a very lighthearted video with, a couple, um, you know, healing tools. Um, and they're, they're still a little standoffish about these things, but I'm, I'm trying to explain to them, look, you are holding on and trying to maintain day to day. And yet you, you still see what's going on in your home country. You still have your grandmother there. You still have your father there. You need these tools because, you know, once you, once you get into this fight or flight, your body will start getting stuck into that fight or flight. And so you'll have high levels of cortisol, even when those moments where you think you feel fine and you think you feel calmer, your body is still on high alert. And that can do a lot of damage, you know, now and then in, you know, in the years to come. Even with myself during the pandemic, I, I learned some of these tools and meditation, EFT tapping and things like that. And I'm like, well, you know, this is like a global pandemic. How is this little, you know, hand chop acupressure going to help? Uh, and it does. It really does um, within a couple moments. And when I was doing a, a trauma relief training for a U Ukrainian American uh, volunteer group that's based out of Maryland here, they all have family in Ukraine. They were going through the pandemic here in America while they were dealing with, you know, the war and Ukraine. And so they are a little skeptical about these relief tools, but even on zoom, we had them all. Um, and I was watching them and as they were doing this EFT, I could see the stress just draining from their faces. It was very powerful. And granted, it's not going to solve everything right away. It's not going to, but it's going to take that level down. And when you're at, you're, when you're at 10 or 12, your, your body can use all the relief it can get. And now they have these tools and that gives them agency. When the war feels out of control, when the pandemic feels out of your control, when things feel out of control, you have some agency. I can do this for myself right now, regardless of what's going on. I have that. I'm in charge there. So I think that's very powerful. And I, I wish my family and, and other families through all the wars that we've had, had more of these tools 
and you know, there's more extensive training and more extensive um, therapy and sessions that need to be done for people that have really gone through it. But these, the simpler tools are a really good start to to get them to get them where they need to go. So, what was that turning point in your life that said, "I want to do something more"? Because obviously, these tools and methodologies that you now use to provide your services didn't come from home. These weren't passed on to you. You know, what was that turning point in your life? So since 2014, I've been paying attention about what's going on with Ukraine because it's been an unfair situation for them for so long. And the Ukrainians and Latvians, Lithuanians, they were all taken over. You know, after, you know, World War II, they all went through very similar experiences. Um, Ukrainians had a famine, which was awful. So there's generational tra- trauma back then. Um, so I was well aware of the situation with them and they've always, they, you know, Latvians stand up for Ukrainians, Ukrainians, you know, we've always had this solidarity. So when the invasion happened, I'm like, that's it. I'm doing something. <laughs> I'm like, you know, I, I really want to do so much more um, on a large scale. Um, I know some really amazing, influential um super Ukrainians that are doing great work. I would love to be a super Latvian American doing great work. Um, but for the meantime, I'm just in awe of what, what they're doing. Um, and I, I just want to do as much as I can because the situation is, you know, ridiculous, inhumane, all, all the above. But um, I think what also collided, not only my European interests and also my background working with refugees, um, during the pandemic, my anxiety was off the charts, anxiety and depression and overwhelm. So I joined a meditation group online, and that's where I learned more about Dr. James Gordon. So learned about him, learned the meditation, some of the other techniques, and then the Ukrainian situation happened. So it was kind of like all these stars aligned and better prepared me to do something. Um, whereas I think before I, I had the compassion for them and the, and the passion, but now I have some real tools and also more historical knowledge than I did before. Um, I think that's one thing that's missing with some Americans. I know a lot of Americans are empathetic about what's happening in Ukraine and in various other places. That's not the only war going on. Um, but I think if you knew Ukraine's history and what they've already had to go through, and that famine um, is related to who's uh, in, invading them now. And so their grandparents and their great-grandparents were affected by the same folks that the generations now are in their country. And so I think if I could teach one course, if I ever became a professor or a teacher, I would teach world geography and history because if you understand what the Ukrainians have already endured for so many years and over the generations, then you would be even more appalled at what they're having to face right now and understand the real need for, you know, mental health healing, but also um, assistance. Um, I just, you know, dealing with children, um, you get so much out of it that you you know you didn't expect. I mean, even even just the funny things that they say or the funny things that they do or the love that you get back. I mean, the, my little one in Germany tells me she loves me all the time. 
and she wants me to come to Germany and see her. And, you know, just, I hope I'm making a good imp impact. Um, uh, the one thing that I did that was really good, because I really just wanted to make like a really powerful, um, something for them to have. And, uh, a friend of mine who is a manifesting guru, she's amazing manifesting guru to the stars or whatever. She introduced me to this really um, beautiful young Ukrainian singer. And she has this song that is very popular and is kind of like a theme song for Ukrainians to keep going. And it was huge hit on million views on YouTube or whatever. And she introduced us and we started talking via email and stuff. And I said, Hey, I said, I have these little mini Ukrainians that I am working with and tutoring would you be interested in putting together just like a minute video for each one, like directly talking directly to them? And so she did for a couple of them. And so I just, I didn't tell my little ones that I was going to do this. I just sent, I sent, um, at the, the, when I first started, I had five or six mini Ukrainians that I was tutoring. I had a couple in Kiev, Ukraine. I had one in Barcelona in Spain. Um, and then I had the ones in the ones that I do now. So the, the one girl is, is 12, well, she's now 13, and she's going through all the hormonal changes and also fleeing war, and she was not having it when her mom first introduced me. She's like, why am I meeting her? <laughs> it's like, I'm like, I remember being 12. I remember that, so I totally understood. And she was also far away from her friends, and you know, and also her English is really good already. She was just, just quite fluent, so we were both kind of like, "Why are we meeting?" Because you know English. <laughs> so I'm like, you know, she needs something. She needs something more than I can give. So I asked this uh, famous Ukrainian young singer if she would do a video, and she did like this three or four minute video, directly talking directly to this little twelve year old, all for her, and she can have it for decades to come, whenever she needs something, you know, a boost or inspiration, she was shocked. It was just, it just, you know, you know, appeared in their inbox. I sent it to her mom. I'm like, like, this is a little something for, for your daughter. And they were like, Oh my gosh. You know? So that was just something. Um, I'm always, I've always been um, a connector in some ways. Um, it just kind of naturally gravitates towards um, bringing different people together. And so I, I feel good when I connect with people. Uh, I also am benefiting from this by learning about, um, you know, the culture. It's uh, Ukrainian culture is beautiful. It's fascinating. Um, so many talented people. So I, I benefit that way. But as far as healing, I think paying it forward. I just feel somehow my grandmother is proud of me, even though she's long past. My dad passed away in April. He knew I was doing this. And he was very proud of me, and he was very concerned about the Ukrainians. And so when I would show him, oh, you know, I did this today with this little one, or I, you know, was helping support their moms, he was very happy with that. And so I think that um, was healing because I don't know how much um, the Ukraine, the war in Ukraine, stirred up trauma in my dad or my uncle. I I know it did, but they weren't saying. So I, I can't even imagine what they were dealing with, seeing this, being being concerned with the Ukrainians, but also being triggered because of those memories are so deep. Um, so I, I didn't address that as much because, again, 
that's not what they talk about. So I wish I wish I would have been able to talk more about that. But I think, and I think the one thing I'm learning is being more open. I was always trying to be stoic all the time. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. When I wasn't fine. And so now I think that's teaching me and I'm hopefully teaching others. If you're not fine, it's okay. You know, stay so and, and get the support that you need. Can you define stoic for us? You keep moving on. It, whatever happened, yep, I'm go, I, I have work to do. I have this. I'm fine. Don't worry about me. I'll handle it. I'll take care of it. You know, we just got to keep moving. That, that's pretty much it. Um, and that's what they're respected to do. And, you know, I have, I have trauma on both sides of my family. My, my mom's, uh, my mom, my, my grandmother, my mom's mom, her mom was killed by a drunk driver. Um, and so that they had lots of kids, uh, eight of them, and the dad couldn't handle it back then. So my grandmother spent her years in foster homes. And her brothers, her four brothers, actually fought in World War II for the Americans. I've got a lot of war on both sides of my family. Um, they all came back, luckily, and they were safe. But, you know, that war is traumatic anyways, and then growing up in foster homes. So I think um, that's a lot. And I, I feel somehow, my, my I don't think my other cousins or anyone feels this way, but I guess empaths, maybe we feel a little deeper. Um, I felt like I was carrying my own baggage and then everybody else's baggage with me. And that's a lot of weight to carry. And nobody asked me to, but it's, I think it's that generational trauma that is just there. Um, and then seeing what all of my family members went through, they all, they all were stoic. They all were able to, you know, my, the family that came over from the war, uh, they made good lives for themselves here. They were survived. They got, went to college. A lot of them, they went, got jobs. So, you know, on paper, they, they did really well. Um, it's just the underlying stuff, the anxiety, the depression, those things. Um, and I definitely... Uh, felt it and still feel it. And so I have to be proactive, not, not just teach, but I have to practice, practice what I teach to, um, to heal from that stuff too. The things that you now practice, how do you apply them to yourself? How have you worked through these to improve the quality of your own life? Um, I really noticed the importance of movement. Um, if I'm too still and I'm trying to be like, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. I feel like I'm just really crunched down and I feel even just, you know, I like to dance and I, you know, just spontaneous dancing or dancing on the dance floor. I notice if I don't do that enough, I will feel it mentally and physically. I need to move my body. I do. Um, and if I do it daily, that means I'm more focused and, and more calm. And a lot of this trauma and even, and when I, when I talk about trauma, when people talk about trauma, I think um, it kind of gets misconstrued because you don't have to go through a war to have trauma. You can have a really nasty boss at work and be, you know, feel like you're in a no-win situation at work, or you can be worried about the bills, or you can have a loss, or you can go through a pandemic. You know, there's so many things that can cause trauma. So I think Sometimes people can downplay their own situation because it's not war or it's not this giant thing. 
Well, it doesn't have to be. So whatever, you know, I don't think any of us can go through life without, without trauma. It's just what we do with it. And what I'm realizing now is you do it when you're going through it. You don't just go, okay, I have to get through this and then I'll go heal myself. Or I have to get through this and then I'll do this. No, it's having a healthy practice every day helps you have that buffer, helps you react better, helps you feel better, helps your health. And so, you know, consistency isn't my forte with my creative fast brain that likes to analyze everything. Um, but I think I'm really noticing the power of having, you know, not only having those tools handy when I need them, but also moving my body and doing the deep breathing every day. Um, and then also be just being aware of my feelings. I know that sounds so elementary, but even, you know, if, even at my age, I'm still really, re really learning. Okay. What am I feeling right now? I'm not even paying attention. I'm disassociating so much, you know, what, what am I feeling? And then you can feel it because I, you know, I was very, very good at like stuffing my feelings and holding them in. Well, that's not good for you. And so now I'm just like, okay, what, what am I feeling? And let's feel it um, because in stoic families, a lot of times, or even just generationally, depending on what decade you grew up in, oh, don't cry. Oh, stop being angry. Oh, don't, you know, it's always kind of like shutting, shutting down, shutting down. No, feel your feelings. Let the kids feel their feelings. You feel your feelings. Parents feel their feelings to a degree. I mean, you don't want to go off, you know, off the deep end, but it's like, no, feeling those feelings you need to, they're, they're signals and they shouldn't be shut down. And so I'm, I'm kind of, um, in feeling rehab, I guess you could say for, for all the years I was told not to feel because, you know, my family, they weren't, they weren't allowed to feel either. And I think it's, it's really strong and really important that you, what you mentioned, I'm sorry, that trauma doesn't only occur when there's war and when there's tragedy, you know, our safe space is threatened. And so it, it happens at work. It happens at home. It happens in the sure. street. Mm -hmm. Acts of violence, acts of disrespect, acts of abuse lead to this reaction and puts us in a um, Betrayal. survival mode that will eventually affect our own organism and put us at a fight or flight um, battle with our own selves. So I love how you put that together and how it is important to... Um, right. It's how it is important to really address that when it's happening. This is actually the first time because we always talk about, you know, dealing with the trauma once it happens. And I, 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 I love how you say you've seen the benefit of addressing it if you have the tools while it's happening. And so how is that beneficial in comparison to addressing it once it's already occurred? Well, I think, uh, you know, just on the, the, on the surface, um, if I don't, you know, because I, you know, being stoic, you can only be stoic for so long and then it builds and builds and builds and then you're going to react and it's going to come out pretty strongly and sometimes you're going to regret that, you know. So if you can, first of all, feel your feelings and be like, okay, what is this, you know, what am I feeling? Let it be there, and then you can release it through EFT, or you can journal, or you can just sit with it, and it, sometimes it subsides on its own. But then you want to see the message because your feelings are telling you, you know, most of the time. I mean, sometimes they're you know irrational, or sometimes you're you know you're what ifing, 
But if they're real emotions, um, sometimes they're saying, hey, this is, this is my boundary being crossed. That's why I'm angry. Or I'm feeling sad because this is a loss. Or I'm feeling afraid because this is a betrayal of my trust. And by, by doing that for yourself, number one, you're standing up for yourself. You know, in, in case someone's gaslighting you or a situation where you're like, you know, is this fair? You know, you're coming you know, to yourself going, hey, I'm in your corner. Let, let's, let's see what's real here. The second thing is so you don't overreact and, you know, regret it later. But the third thing was, is deeper. If you're going through something and you're all tense and you're, you know, like trying to keep it in, you know, as women, we tend to, you know, take anger inward. So that's depression for a lot of us. Instead of being mad at somebody else, we'll internalize it. Um, so depression for us, which puts us, depression puts you at a risk for so many different um, long-term health issues. Um, your digestion under stress can change so much that the, you know, the, the uh, balance of bacteria in your gut goes completely off. Your small intestine, Dr. James Gordon mentions that things change in your small intestine. So that all affects your brain health. So you're just going to you know, put yourself in this perpetual downward cycle. So I think when we talk about stress, it's such a basic term that people don't think, okay, stress can mean this is messing up my gut. It's messing up my heart rate. It's messing up my circulation. It's messing up my brain. We just think of stress and we can like shelve it and like, okay, well, that's just stress. Well, no, no, stress can really do a number on you. And it can also affect everybody around you. It can be a chain reaction. And even energetically, if you want to get into the, you know, if you're into that stuff. Um, you know, when you're stressed out, do you attract better, happier days? Not often, you know. So if you can release some of that and you do need support and you do need help, sometimes when you release those intense feelings, you can just naturally attract what you need. Whereas if you're all pissed off and, you know, that kind of is a, like pushes folks away. Whereas if you can be like, okay, I'm, I'm feeling this. I'm going to, you know, I have a right to feel this. I'm going to feel it. And then I'm going to, I know I'm going to tend to it. I'm going to take care of myself. And then I'm also going to deal with the situation calmly as much as I can. Now, of course, in war, that's a whole different ballgame or in a real traumatic immediate situation. But again, you know, um, my kiddos in Ukraine, um, the one in Kiev, his mom's a school teacher, and they have in their school a brand new um, shelter for air when the air raids go off. These kids have gone into those shelters, I don't know how many times this past year. Can you imagine being a child and hearing those air raid sirens and they're super loud and you have to go in these shelters and hide from, you know, these <laughs> Russian, you know, bombers that are real. And even in those situations, I, I was skeptical at first after I took the trauma relief training. I'm like, how am I going to tell Ukrainians in the midst of war, how am I going to tell them to just tap on their hands? It just sounded so ridiculous. But then again, when you think about it, that is fight or flight to the you know, maximum degree. Their heart rates are going to be racing. Their you know, blood pressure is going to be skyrocketing. If you can give them those deep breathing tools, it's going to help their bodies at least a little bit at least not to like, you know, and I, I can't tell them not to panic. Why, why wouldn't you? But if they have those tools, at least they can give their bodies a little bit of grace, a little bit of relief, a little bit of a break. 
And so you're, you're just hoping that it's, it's better for their physical systems because, you know, all that stress, that can make them sick real fast. And so, you know, those tools can help them in the midst of war, but also for the rest of us that are lucky enough that we don't have to do that. It's just, I, I was telling my little Ukrainian today, I'm like, you know how you eat your fruits and vegetables every day, or you're supposed to, um, because it's good for your body and your mind? Well, this stuff is this stuff is good for your body and your mind too. So you do fruits and vegetables, and you do this stuff, and you do exercise. So it's just part of the whole um, holistic uh, part of just being a healthy individual, I think. And so what type of modalities or um, techniques do you use? Which ones are the ones that you employ during the assistance that you do with these children? Okay. For the, for the little ones, I just started out where you cross your arms and you put your hands on your shoulders and then you just brush down. So that's just really super simple. And you, you know, take deep breaths and this just calms you down. So that's what I do for, for the kids. And also there's a new one that I just saw from a, a Qigong expert where you rub your nails, your fingernails together. It's an acupressure point. And you rub your nails together and then you shake your arms out very vigorously and then you slow it down, slow it down some more and then you just rest your hands and then you see how you feel and you kind of take that in. And then there's another one by Dr. Gordon. It's called shake dancing and the kids love it. The adults think it's weird. I, I felt really weird doing it. You literally stand up and you bounce. You bounce on your knees and you shake your entire body in every which way. Just shake, 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 shake. And that's more of an expressive meditation. And you do that, according to Dr. Gordon, you do about for six minutes and then you pause and you stay still for about a minute and then you sway to a slower song. And how he's used this, and Dr. Gordon has experience dealing with people from war since Bosnia in the 1990s. So Bosnia, Kosovo, Syria, He's been there. He's also worked with people with PTSD. He's worked with people, Americans that have been in the school shootings. He's worked with, I mean, you name it, he's worked with thousands. And um, he said that the, the nurses that he worked with in Haiti, this was a year after that devastating earthquake in Haiti, and they had lost about 90 of their fellow nursing students. And so he did the shake dancing with them. And, you know, they were at first, they were very skeptical but after the shake dancing, he was saying that so many of them either broke into laughter or broke into tears. And they said that was the first time they were able to feel any of their emotions for an entire year. And they felt such a release and a relief. And that was like, that wasn't, didn't change the whole situation, but it was the first step in really for them to really be able to heal. So it's, it's powerful. And the other thing that he taught that I, I have taught some of the adults is um, a drawing exercise and you draw your biggest problem. You just draw it out, you know, markers. I, I have the same artistic ability I did when I was five, so I don't expect any, <laughs> anything better from anybody else, although there's very talented people out there. But you draw your biggest problem and then you draw in a, a separate page how your problem is solved and how you want things to be. And he had uh, an example, a very powerful, moving example of a little girl in Gaza who had drawn a picture. She had just lost her father. He was killed in the violence. And she drew a picture of herself in the grave with her dad. 
she had given up. She does. That was it. And it was just, wow, for a, for a little girl to draw that, that's incredible. Um, she kept going through the classes, the, the weekly classes and the healing sessions, doing all the tools. And her next drawing was of her standing there in a doctor's coat with a stethoscope, putting it on someone's heart. And she wanted, she said she wanted to grow up and heal other people's hearts. Amazing work. Definitely. And I think it's very fulfilling. I think one of the things that I love is you've really taken upon yourself to heal others, um, to heal yourself. And I think a lot of us um, lose on that opportunity because we lose ourselves in consumerism and other things. And, you know, for those that, you know, um, unfortunately, at times, and I include myself, don't have the tools to really rechannel our energy. But I think what you are doing is very commandable and it's definitely very inspiring. And I would like to know what is next for you? How do you see yourself and the work you lead in the next two or three years? Well, I would love to do um, work for Ukraine full time. I, you know, I just, I love the culture of the people. Um, I also, again, with the European cultures, I love all, all European cultures. So I would love to do something full time um, and I also just want to get these tools out to kids and, and I wanted to bring up a point. Um, I, you know, the imposter syndrome, we all kind of feel like, well, I don't have the skills. I don't have the you know background. I felt that way too. I don't speak Ukrainian and I've, I've tried to learn and, you know, I know some French, Spanish and Latvian, but Ukrainian, that's tough. It's <laughs> a completely different alphabet. And so I'm intimidated. And so for a while I was like, how can I do this? I don't speak Ukrainian. I don't have, you know, a degree in psychology, you know, I, you know, but there's other ways to become, um, fluent. There's other ways to become, you know, an instructor. And, you know, there's another, I can't stop raving about Dr. Gordon's work just because he's worked with so many people that have faced war. Uh, the one example he had was a, a group of kids, I think it was Gaza, was it Gaza or Kosovo? I think maybe it was Kosovo, that um, a whole high school, they had lost so many. Uh, I think the one high school class, every single kid in that high school class had lost one or both parents in the war. And so they came, uh, Gordon and his, his group came and taught rural high school teachers these tools and they, the levels, they tested the levels of PTSD for these kids. And within several months, these kids tested, they didn't even qualify for having PTSD anymore. Those tools were so powerful. And these were rural high school teachers. These were not like, you know, you have your PhD in you know, psychology or whatever. They're rural teachers and, you know, farmland and things like that. It, you don't have to be you know, the most educated person in the world or the most talented person in the world, if you have the passion, if you have you care and concern and love in your heart, you can learn things or you can bring what you already have to the table and you can teach, you can help, you can do something. So I, I think that's what, you know, scared me a little bit. Like, who am I to say this or who am I to do this? But I, everyone has something that they can offer and you can build on those things and you can learn from people who know more than you. I know I, I definitely reach out to Dr. Gordon and his colleagues um, when I need to. Um, I also, you know, I went to Ukrainian U University online and took courses in history and culture. It's, it's out there if you want to learn. 
And yes, it does take some time, but you know, I, I tell you what, I don't know how many hours of my life I spent scrolling the internet and um, Facebook and Instagram. So a little time off from that, you can do a lot. You can learn a lot of things. That's, that's such a bigger investment than, than being, you know, hooked on tidbits of information. So, you know, and it's not for everyone, you know, but I would suggest if people, you know, when, when you look around and what's going on in your own life, but what's going on around the world, I think if everyone did a bit more for, for others and for themselves, I, I'm not one that's like, oh, I'm going to give, give, give until I have nothing left. No, I, I like, I like, you know, sprinkles on my ice cream and, you know, nice, nice shopping things. You know, I, I like, you know, you got to do things for yourself, but I also think there's just so much going on and we've all been through so much that, you know, paying attention to what's going on and, you know, okay, pick a country or pick a community and how can I help? And also, okay, what do I need? How, what, what community can I go to, to get help for myself? I, I don't think you, you know, it should be, you know, one or the other. And I also don't think that it's, you know, oh, we should, we shouldn't help people way over there. We have problems in our own country. I don't, I don't think it has to be either or at all. I think it can be, you know, we can help folks in Maui. We can help people in Ukraine, Sudan, you know, all over the place. I, you know, there's enough love. There's enough time. There's enough, you know, ability. We, we can do a lot of that. You. And so, Melanie, just to wrap up, uh, with the tools you've acquired, with the skills you now know, with the people that, the amount of people that you changed lives with or to, um, what would you tell your grandparents hmm. that are no longer here? Oh, you're going to make me cry. What would you tell them about the work <laughs> you do? Oh, <laughs> you can cry. It's okay. I, well, I'm, I'm, I'm partial. I had the best grandparents. So, you know, um, you know, m- well, I mean, in one sense, I would say I did some of it for them. I mean, it's it's not like ninety nine percent for Ukrainians, obviously. I mean, that's that is I I feel for them. It's it's not such a self, you know, focused thing. I really care about them, but I also feel like I'm honoring my grandparents, and that they're still, you know, they're I I'm I'm their granddaughter. I'm I'm here doing work. I I got here because of them. I'm here, you know, I'm here in this country because my grandparents, through bravery, courage, some luck, and also some help from Americans. Uh, my, my family wouldn't have been here had it not been the help from Americans who lived here who helped bring my family over. So um, I'm paying it forward, but I'm also honoring my grandparents, and um, I just hope they're proud. They lead your way. You know that. Thank you so much, Melanie. I love the work you do. Please never stop doing it. You just have so much light to yourself. Oh, thank you so much, V. Appreciate it. That's it, folks. Maybe this is how it starts for you, I, and anyone else in our journey. Hope you like this content. Please follow, download, and share. Hope you had a great one. See you next time.